You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of the Michelle Meow Show. You should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull****. It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Meow Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Meow. Welcome. Happy Little Friday. Woo! For some of you, yeah, this, this, uh, could be, you know, the last day of work or just the last hard day of work. So enjoy your evening. I'm Michelle Miel, your host. Jax, our producer, is in studio. How's it going, Jax? It's going good. It's a little Friday. It's a little Friday. <laughs> and June 4th, four days into June already. I feel like <laughs> the days are just going by so fast. Pride month. Pride month. Happy Pride month, that is, as well. So big news uh, recently. Our favorite Texan ever, right? <laughs> you know this is going to be a true statement. Yeah, Rick Perry has announced uh, that he is putting his name in the hat or the run for president in 2016. Let's let's check out his uh, announcement video. If we're going to revive this American dream again, we need a president who provides leadership that transcends the petty partisanship that we've seen in the last few years. Someone that's been tested. We need a president who tells the American people the truth. We have the power to make our country new again. We don't have to accept the weakness abroad that we're seeing today. We don't have to accept the slow recovery economically that we see here at home. You see, a lot of candidates will say the right things. Whether it's about the border, whether it's about taxes, whether it's about spending, but we need a president who has done the right thing. We need a president who bridges the partisan divide rather than white and who brings people together. We must do right and risk the consequences. Sounds like, you know, the trailer for a new documentary. <laughs> it's, ah, I can't handle presidential announcement videos. Uh, no, no matter if I like the person or not, I just find them so corny. Yeah, yeah, right. They're, the genuine factor is really goes down and all of it is just kind of let me try to persuade you into thinking that I'm the right candidate. I mean, look, it's not that I'm always going to think that conservative candidates uh, can't bring this country back or I say back, you know, to our core principles. But uh, the interesting thing is, though, I, I do feel that there are a good number of conservative political figures who have who have, you know, strayed away from the fundamental American principles. And we all have a hand in that, I think, liberal and uh, and conservative, right? What do you mean by fundamental principles? 
I, I'm talking about, and we're going to have this discussion very shortly. Our, our guest today is going to give us kind of the uh, black and white on the Constitution, even the the uh, U.S. Constitution, and just kind of questioning, um, you know. I feel you know what the, where I'm going with this is that when I feel it with with even political figures who are more on the conservative side, when all else fails, will bring religion into their arguments. Um, I'm not really quite sure if you know that constitutes as um, a, 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 you know part of an argument that should be discussed as far as equal rights are concerned. But maybe our guests will enlighten me. <laughs> well, if one of our principles is separation of church and state, we've certainly <laughs> strayed from that. So that is why I'm bringing someone way smarter than me who studied the Constitution. Um, and, uh, you know, so this will be an exciting first half of the show. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. The Supreme Court will make a decision soon on the Obergefell versus Hodges case, which we consider to be the final marriage equality case. What they're making a decision on basically is if state bans on same-sex marriage are unconstitutional. The National Constitution Center just recently hosted a debate on marriage equality and the Constitution. John Eastman, chairman of the National Organization for Marriage and a professor at the Chapman University Fowler School of Law, as well as Sheriff Gerges, co-author of What is Marriage, argued that the Equal Protection Clause doesn't apply. Evan Wolfson, founder and president of Freedom to Marry and also author of Why Marriage Matters, and uh, Kenji Yoshino, professor at uh, NYU School of Law and author of Speak Now, Marriage Equality on Trial, argue that it does. Here to discuss the Constitution, that debate, and equal rights is Daniele Evans, a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the National Constitution Center. Daniele, thank you so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start by discussing the Constitution. I feel like, you know, the Constitution is something that uh, uh, a um, I don't know, a good amount of Americans have forgotten, for example. We've learned about the Constitution so long ago in history classes, but uh, specifically regarding LGBT people. At one point, legal scholars, lawmakers, even doctors, professionals, did not see sexual orientation or gay people, I should say, as a person or that they should have rights um, and saw sexual orientation as a behavior or an act. But that has rapidly changed over the years and as well as the discussion, right? Uh, yes, I think that's definitely right. Um, in part because of some of the things that I heard in your in your trailer, people coming out and explaining that this is a part of my identity, a fundamental piece of me that defines who I am in ways that religion might define who somebody else is or establishes the way you understand yourself in the world. And people owning that, I think, came to change the way that courts and the law view that, that feature of a person. What about, you know, a statement I had made earlier, and, and Jackson and I had, had discussed this as we announced Rick Perry's uh, candidacy for, for president. Um, it seems that, you know, with LGBT rights, it's so easy to get caught up in the argument uh, and, and throwing religion in there. But if we could just kind of see black and white, and you've studied the Constitution, you know, how does religion and LGBT rights and the Constitution, you know, how does that all get meshed into an argument, or have we really strayed away from uh, the the Constitution and its basic principles? Well, an interesting thing about the the debate over gay marriage and the Constitution and religion are a sort of an interesting complicating factor whenever you talk about the Constitution is the way that the framers envision states operating in the mix. 
Um, and I think that some of Perry's arguments pertain to uh, state governments and what choices states should be able to make for themselves. Um, the Constitution was originally designed just to say what the federal government can and can't do. So it said the federal government, Congress, can't establish a religion. Um, it said Congress can't encroach on anyone's free exercise of religion. Um, and then after the Civil War, we adopted the 14th Amendment, which was the 13th Amendment banned slavery, and the 14th Amendment said that nobody should be denied equal protection of the laws and that states can't uh, deny any of their citizens any of the privileges and immunities of citizenship. And it was only then that the provisions of the Constitution, for instance, the provision on establishing churches, was applied to the states. So up until then, states actually could and did establish churches. Um, and there's been this long tradition in American law of states being sort of like the local uh, decision makers. So states can have their unique identities, and they have always preserved the power to legislate and reflect the morality of their citizens. And the idea at the time of the founding, I think, was that, you know, Pennsylvania would re reflect the personal values of a unique group of people, and New Jersey would reflect the personal values of another unique group of people. And if you like one sort of system or another, you can move from state to state, and it preserves some degree of freedom um, from a totalitarian, totalitarian central government. And the way that that comes in in the gay marriage debates is that uh, there are people who argue that regardless of whether you think that uh, LGBT rights or gay marriage is good or bad policy, um, it's very important to have that policy be dictated at a state level because states have long had a tradition of being able to say we're a particular community, we want our unique values reflected in our laws, and other states in the country have their unique values reflected in their laws, and it's not a matter for Washington, D.C. to decide for us. Um, and some of that comes to moral values and religious values. Sometimes it's progressive values. Sometimes it's we want to legalize marijuana, and we don't want Washington, D.C. to tell us we can't do it. Um, so there's that structural piece that uh, isn't necessarily reflecting uh, all discrimination against gay people or a statement that uh, LGBT people don't deserve rights, but it's more reflecting or at least voiced in terms of the state should be the decision makers, not, not Washington, D.C., I totally, you know, understand that argument, but for some reason, I when I hear that, when I hear um, you know, a political figure say that it should be a, a state decision, it automatically brings me to this question of segregation, you know, which was uh, obviously a form of discrimination. Our country has segregated, you know, people um, before. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about that statement, or if I if I'm just kind of overlooking this. Uh, when it comes to, especially, you know, the Constitution, what it sounds like now, there, there is room for us to, you know, have progress uh, and that it doesn't always have to default to kind of, you know, our founding fathers and what their thoughts were on how this country should be run. Absolutely. Uh, that's the argument on the other side. Again, here at the National Constitution Center, we are committed to nonpartisan debate about the Constitution. Our exhibit here is uh, exploring the gay mo the, the movement for gay rights and the constitutional debate over gay rights, uh, I'm just representing one side and the other. So the argument that I just gave you was the sort of federalist-oriented mm -hmm. argument. The argument on the other side is that uh, 
Yes, the federal constitution, um, especially after the Civil War, which ended slavery, uh, and the 14th Amendment, which uh, it, uh, applied the Bill of Rights to the states and said the state governments also cannot restrict any of the fundamental freedoms uh, that's contained in the Bill of Rights. Yes, that's exactly what it did. It declared that everybody in the country has fundamental rights that are inalienable, which means that state voters can't elect to take, to take them away. Um, and it did that to end segregation. It did that to end now uh, gender discrimination and race discrimination um, and religious discrimination of various kinds. And uh, it should also apply to uh, things like sexual orientation, choice of who you want to have as a partner, um, and, you know, anything else that is identity-defining or a group that has face discrimination that is unfounded, you know, there's a strong claim there as well. Right, right. We're speaking with Daniele Evans, who's a senior fellow uh, in constitutional studies for the National Constitution Center. And you're hearing now we're having an extremely exciting conversation about the Constitution and, uh, you know, LGBT rights and, of course, marriage equality. I'd mentioned earlier that the National Constitution Center had hosted a debate, uh, and I want to get into that. We have a couple minutes before we take a break. Uh, Daniele, so... Let's let's introduce that, you know, um, the debate, obviously. I didn't get a chance to watch the YouTube video that you guys posted, and I wasn't able to be a part of that. But, um, you know, how did it go? I mean, it, it went well. We had uh, commentators reflecting some of the arguments that we're talking about here. Um, and we have them talking about specifically whether the Equal Protection Clause, which is the, uh, the 14th Amendment, um, has a provision in it that says that no state shall deny any citizen equal protection of the laws. It's traditionally been, it came up in the, con, it was a, it adopted in the context of the end of the Civil War and uh, abolishing slavery. Um, and it's traditionally been interpreted to protect particular classes of people, to prohibit intentional discrimination based on race, based on gender. Um, and there's long been a framework where uh, laws that inflict burdens on suspect classes or groups that have faced a history of discrimination um, are subject to heightened scrutiny, meaning the government has to have a very important interest to justify those kinds of laws. Um, And the claim in, uh, one of the claims in the marriage equality case is that uh, the laws banning same-sex marriage impose a particular burden on gay people and that gay people should be recognized as a protected class under the Equal Protection Clause. Um, The argument on the other side is that sexual orientation is not a protected class like race or gender because it is not something you're born with. Um, And I realize that's scientifically very contested. um, And there are people who take a totally different position, which is uh, it shouldn't matter whether it's something that you're born with or not. It's a free choice that everyone should be entitled to make, and it's tied to a person's dignity or, or liberty. And in a slightly different context, we have cases protecting the right to abortion, uh, the right to choose whether to have a child. Uh, Lawrence is the case that said that the state can't criminalize uh, uh uh, consexual sex between same-sex partners. Um, and these cases didn't depend on the idea that 
this was discrimination against a suspect group. Rather, they depended on a fundamental right to dignity or a right to structure your personal behavior in a way that you want without state intervention. Um, and there are people who say that that should be the reason that prohibitions on same-sex marriage are unconstitutional. And there are others that say that the court should find uh, that uh, LGBT persons are historically discriminated against class, like black people and women, and then uh, impose heightened protections there. And then there are people who should say that neither of these reasons should apply. The federal government just shouldn't be, and that the Constitution has nothing in it that reaches same-sex marriage. And those were sort of the terms of the debate the other day. That's very distilled. This is a, an extremely exciting conversation. Daniele Evans, a senior fellow in constitutional studies for the National Constitution Center, is with us. And uh, we have to take a quick break, unfortunately, but stay with us. Come back because we'll continue this conversation. Don't go away. listening to the progressive voices network streaming the best in progressive talk 24 7 keep the progressive conversation going on on facebook like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices on the progressive voices facebook page we update the stories that our hosts like tom hartman stephanie miller bill press and leslie marshall will be talking about during their shows and we share great news commentaries opinion pieces and videos from all over the progressive world always progressive always on be part of the progressive conversation like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Pride is... 40 years ago was all volunteers, and now it is one of the largest events. It's an opportunity for all of us to just be who we are. To take them to a place that's safer, where they feel accepted. It's this remarkable coming together of politics and culture, and just fun. And it shows what an amazing community we are. San Francisco Pride is June 27th and 28th. For event tickets and information, visit sfpride.org. Weatherford BMW is where I spend a lot of my time. I love what I do and I love the people I work with. But work's not the only thing I love. I love the everyday simple things in life, like mornings at my favorite coffee shop, taking walks with my dogs around Point Isabel, and spoiling my partner for a scenic but thrilling ride. That's the beauty of living the Bay Area dream. We're just being ourselves, living our authentic life. Live your authentic life. A special message by Weatherford BMW. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. On the phone with us is Daniele Evans, a senior fellow in constitutional studies for the National Constitution Center. I just mentioned uh, before the break that the National Constitution Center hosted a debate arguing uh, around the Equal Protection Clause in in which we were just getting into before the break. Daniele, you know, there have already been federal cases. The Supreme Court has already made decisions on on cases, which is why we have seen this rapid um, 
progression regarding marriage equality in this country, right? And so if the Supreme Court in this conversation we're having this uh, in this debate about the Equal Protection Clause and whether the LGBTQ people are a protected class, I mean, making decisions um, arguing uh, that it, it doesn't apply would mean that we would be reversing on some, some recent cases, right? Um, not necessarily. The court has been uh, very uh, circumspect in its decisions addressing uh, same-sex relations and same-sex marriage so far uh, to a lot of criticism. Um, it, it, it had a case in 1986 that held that the, it was acceptable, constitutional for states to crit- criminalize uh, sex between same-sex couples. That's Bowers versus Hard- Hardwick. And that sparked the movement, arguably, our exhibit here says that this really pulled people into action and said, okay, we're going to have to go through the political process. Um, and then in the 90s, early 90s, in Lawrence versus Texas, the court reversed that decision and said, under the Equal Protection Clause, uh, but there are two, you know, under the 14th Amendment, which contains the Equal Protection and Due Process Clause, um, the Due Process Clause guarantees, it's the same clause that is the basis for the right to abortion, for instance, it has been interpreted to guarantee certain uh, personal liberties, like the right whether to have a child, um, the right whether to have a family, the decision whether to have a family, um, and says that the state can't interfere with those kinds of choices. Um, and based on this right, the court said a state has no business regulating who uh, an adult, a consenting adult, can have sex with. Um, and it said that the state had no interest in criminalizing sex between same-sex couples. That was a big, uh, a big victory that laid the basis for uh, the marriage equality claims. What hasn't been answered, and in Windsor, in the decision uh, in the last couple years that struck down the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, which defined marriage as between a man and a woman for the purpose of federal law, um, the court also didn't answer whether this was a denial of equal protection, which would have required it to say uh, LGBT persons are a historically discriminated against class like uh, black people or like women. Um, it sort of said uh, the these laws impose a stigma and they violate the dignity of LGBT persons and their children. Um, they... And then it resorted back to some of its reasoning from the uh, the cases that say that there's a, a right to determine, you know, tr- whether you want to have a child, who you want to sleep with, various things like that. Some of the freedom logic, less than equality logic, um, but it and it. And then it also said that states have a right to make choices about whether to recognize marriages, and many states have chosen to recognize marriages between same-sex couples, and a federal law defining marriage as between a man and a woman violates the dignity of those states. So in the last big uh, same-sex marriage opinion, Windsor, we actually have the court setting up two kinds of dignity, dignity of states to define marriage and dignity of LGBT persons to be in the types of relationships that they choose. Um, And it so happened that the court could uphold both those types of dignity uh, and strike down a federal law that regulated uh, marriage. But it's forced to choose between those in this upcoming decision, and it hasn't made that choice yet. That makes sense, right? Yes, no, it does. It does, and and that. Uh, thank you. I think this is the uh, best clarification that I've just received so far. 
I wanted to bring up, uh, we're running against time, and gosh, I could talk to you all day and learn from you, but I, I wanted to bring up religious freedom uh, bills and that are popping up across the state here as marriage equality you know, has become legal in most states, over half the states here in this country. Um, you know, when, when, when uh, discussing the Constitution and religious freedom and the LGBTQ community, there's this swinging door, I feel like, as far as discrimination goes. It's like the, uh, you know, the religious groups also feel discriminated against and then LGBTQ people then are in turn discriminated against. I mean, how, how, do, we, how do we have a, a healthy conversation around that when you're applying the Constitution? It's it's very difficult. Um, I would I would just to make a tiny clarification. It, it, the religious freedom bills are not the Constitution, um, so they're uh, and even the federal one are enact are their legislation um, that's enacted by voters, um, and that makes a difference only in the sense that the Constitution is supreme to any of of this kind of legislation. Um, so there is potentially if if there, the Supreme Court recognizes a fundamental right to uh, same-sex marriage or to, that a particular group is a protected class, that might be supreme or at least in conflict with some of the, some of the implications of religious freedom laws. Um, it's a very hard thing to talk about because there are people who have genuinely held religious beliefs and there are also, uh, as we've just been talking about, lots of cases that say that people have individual rights to structure their personal relationships in the way that they uh, think fit, and that's fundamental to human dignity. And, I mean, these are sort of the interminable questions that make up, I think, a democracy of people with different values. Um, I I don't know if there's a lot to say beyond that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you know, because it was, we've had both, Conservative groups, moderate, moderately conservative groups, and, and liberals here who have been discussing religious freedom, and you know it ranges, right? And we're just trying to make sense of it because obviously it does. It, whether the Supreme Court rules in favor of those um, supportive of marriage equality or not, the uh, religious freedom um, conversation I think will continue, if not be one of the hottest topics leading into the 2016 presidential campaign. And when you look at like the case um, in Indiana. And how you know Governor Governor Mike Pence handled it, and then uh, I think corporate influence. I feel like the conversations or the dialogue that resulted in you know Indiana kind of um, uh, changing or amending uh, that that bill also shied away from kind of you know what Jacks had brought up earlier. What about you know separation of church and state? So it's just made it all. So confusing, but then at the same time, when I look into the future, I mean, I certainly, as an LGBTQ person, uh, would would never want to be turned away because of my sexual orientation. So I think that's kind of why I wanted to ask, you know, in terms of how does that how does that apply to the Constitution? How do, how do we continue to have these conversations? It just sounds like it's it's always going to be difficult until we figure it out. Right, right. Um, it is difficult. Um, one thing to one distinction I think that it's important to just bring up in this conversation generally, uh, as applied, I mentioned it a little bit when I talked about the religious freedom laws being legislation, um, is uh, think about the difference between what courts do and what courts say, and then what voters do and what voters say. Um, so the religious freedom laws have been 
adopted by voters or at least by legislatures. Um, there are a couple things a lot of states don't have, and with the federal government doesn't have an anti-discrimination law for sexual orientation. So there is nothing right now uh, making it illegal in many states. Uh, some states there is, or in the federal government to uh, discriminate based on sexual orientation um, in, in, in the workplace or anything like, like that. Uh, you know, nothing stops a, a baker from declining to bake a cake. Um, we do have laws like that for race and gender that came out of the 1964 Civil Rights Act that hasn't been changed to, to also encompass sexual orientation. Um, and this is something that needs to come from a political initiative. These are, this is legislation passed by Congress. This doesn't come from the Constitution and courts. Um, and there's an argument uh, generally in all of this debate that the parties that should be taking the initiative here are voters, not courts. And I'm not, again, I'm just presenting the arguments to you. I'm not mm-hmm. taking one stance or another. Um, but there is, a, there is an argument that's made by people on both sides, uh, people pro-LGBT rights, uh, that rights are more secure when voters choose to ad- adopt them. They, make, they pass laws protecting LGBT persons or when voters pass referenda re- for recognizing same-sex marriage. Uh, that right is less contested uh, by everybody or better accepted than it is when a court, uh, which is an unelected minority, either one or two or a group of eight judges, impose that rule on the public um, because people feel like it's more legitimate if they voted for it and chosen it than if a court has decided it for them. Um, And so there's a thought in some of this that the best way to have this conversation, and this has been the basis for some of the lower court decisions addressing same-sex marriage, is for voters to talk to each other and elect their answer, rather than courts imposing the answer on on everybody, because then you get backlash that you don't necessarily have if people feel like something's been elected by popular vote. Very, very well said. And uh, Ireland would be a great example of that, in which they're the first country in the uh, the world, really, to pass marriage equality through a, a public vote. Daniele Evans, uh, he, the Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies for the National Constitution Center. Daniele, thank you so much for joining us today and enlightening us and educating us on the Constitution and the subject regarding LGBTQ people and equal rights. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a great conversation. Absolutely. I've made my day. Uh, You should definitely check out the National Constitution Center and educate yourself at constitutioncenter.org. When we come back, we will end the show. We'll we'll, we'll have a segment first that will just kind of, you know, we'll we'll go from equal rights to lesbian rights. (laughs) Don't go away. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Hi, I'm Marsha Levine, and I'm the parade manager for San Francisco Pride. The thing about working for San Francisco Pride, or really any pride, is that you're creating a space, a venue, an opportunity for somebody who lives someplace where they're not as free to be LGBT to come out 
be with others, like them, identify, and feel a sense of community as well as freedom. If pride can do that for just one person and make them feel a part of something instead of making them feel like they're alone, that's why I continue to work on pride to this day. I think that San Francisco especially is a freelancer's dream. It's one of the best cities where you can come and you can work on contract for as little or as much as you want to. It's a, a big part of what I do to be able to afford to live in San Francisco. Saving's really important. San Francisco is not an inexpensive place to live. And when you have extraordinary circumstances cropped up, uh, like illness or other expenses, repairs and things like that, if you don't have the savings that could really affect your ability to remain a viable member of San Francisco's residents. Spotlight on success and achievement, brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this amazing Little Friday. I'm so excited because Little Friday means we can relax just a little bit. Fridays don't count at the workplace anymore. I, I, at least I don't think so. I think the weekend should start, like, now. Right, Jax? Correct. <laughs> right well, now. Let's end the show right, and, uh, you know, we just had an intense conversation about equal rights. Well, let's talk about lesbian rights, since this show is just so lesbianish, lesbon. Lesbon? <laughs> the nation Lesbobot. of... And, and we have the perfect guest, but before we introduce our amazing, awesome YouTube star, who's an incredible lesbian, and she's like the uh, incredible lesbo hulk of lesbians uh, on YouTube, I want to play a little clip uh, and kind of show you what her work's all about. Dear straight guys, as of right now, there are over 35 states that support marriage equality. We'd like it to be all 50. In fact, we'd like it to be legalized everywhere. And while we'd like to believe that doing the right thing is enough to gain your support, it's probably not. So we've resorted to kidnapping. We found all your favorite internet stars and convinced them to turn off their cameras. That's right. We're taking away your lesbian porn. Hold on. This isn't gonna work. What? Why? According to this research, lesbian is only the sixth most searched category with men. Wait a second. It is the number one most searched category among women, though. Really? Well, what are we going to do now? Dear straight men, if you don't support marriage equality, we're going to have lesbian sex with your girlfriends. We won't let you watch. And we will show her what she already knew she's missing. Love, lesbians. <laughs> that is so awesome. Our guest today is YouTube star uh, Ariel Scarcella. She has her videos have garnered over a million hits. Ariel, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you guys? We're doing awesome. It's ten o'clock in the morning here in San Francisco, and uh, what an amazing interview <laughs> to do right in the morning. 
Um, yeah, so one of your most popular videos is the one that's how to uh, how two lesbians have sex or basically answering that question how lesbians have sex. And, right. you know, I don't know why people are so curious about it. I mean, I think lesbian sex is like the most creative and passionate uh, activities one can imagine in the bedroom, as you say, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why they're curious about it, don't you? <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, tell us tell us a little bit about, you know, the, maybe the inspiration behind uh, that video. Were, were, are you one of the lesbians like me where uh, ever since coming out, people always ask, you know, how do you have sex? No, really, believe it or not. I mean, but that's because I'm so open about it. No one really has to ask. I just talk about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this, and this happens. And they don't even have to ask. Because you know what? I would rather, I'd rather not put people in an awkward position, uh, like with them have Because you know everyone's questioning, right? Everyone's questioning a little bit, even us, even though we're out. We're like, oh, you know, a guy? Uh, probably not. But, you know, we're curious. Everybody's a little curious. And I'd rather just have it out there for people to digest rather than having them have to come to me or to come to somebody else just to learn, you know, which is why I make the videos in the first place. Well, that's one reason. I just love making them, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'd rather people actually learn and because you know how you know how the gay community is. They get offended over everything, and I don't get offended over anything. So well, I, I, I put myself out there, and I teach whatever I can. I love it. I love it. And, you know, YouTube being this this awesome place, right, I feel like there are it's it's like this open place where queer people also have an opportunity or a chance to become, uh, you know, celebrities and stars as they should just by being who they are. Uh, You know, for example, Tyler Oakley, I mean, you you love the YouTube space and to kind of put your videos out there, right? Yeah, I do. it doesn't. It doesn't limit you like like mainstream media here or kind of something that I in the past like I, I've worked for companies like iHeart and uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't name any names, but I think when they say when I said lesbian sex, that even just saying that they cringe. So you know, uh, you just mentioned that you're open, and and you, and I just wanted to ask in case people are here to listen and listen to you, what would be like your favorite sex position and. Uh, you know, are you are you a wild a wild person in in, in uh, the All right. Well, this this might ruin my reputation a little bit, but I'm actually pretty vanilla. Um, I'm a cancer, so I prefer romance. I just really enjoy learning and talking about sex. I think it's fascinating, um, and I think possibly I find it more fascinating because I don't because I, I talk about it more than I actually have it because I don't have it very often. <laughs> because I want some I want some but I've been single for two years, so I'm just kind of like flying under the radar for now and doing my own thing. Um, but I'm, I, I would say, I would say I could speak for most cancers when I say that we would probably be up for anything as long as we really feel safe and that the person loves us. We'll try anything at least once, but we have to really, like, we're the romantic ones. We have to feel safe and feel loved, and then we're like, yeah, have me whatever way you want. Whatever. Like, we're more about, like, we just want, not that we're, I'm going to say we're, we're, like, most, I would say most cancers that I know are versatile. We're just kind of like, whatever is in the moment type of thing. Yeah. Um, my favorite sex position? I don't even know. I, you know what? Okay, the L word scene, the first L word sex scene with Tina and Bette, when Tina's like on top of Bette, but they're kind of like both up. Does that make sense? They're both like facing each other. Uh-huh. That's so sweet. I love that. That's like more sensual than sexual to me. But Wait. That's like my favorite. You know that's... what I'm talking about? When they're like, they're both on the bed. Yeah. They're both like on their knees kind of, but they're both like facing each other. They're both upright. 
Yeah, so that scene, actually, I, I think I watched that when I was like 20 years old. I thought that that was just acting and it was impossible. That that actual, that is that is possible? I don't know, is it? <laughs> I remember that. I think it looks hot. It looks hot, whatever it is. <laughs> I was I just wondering if you might have, if you might have tried it. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I well, but. I, I understand what you're saying because you'd have to be like super flexible to like actually have your legs spread open that wide on top of something like that. But yeah, I think, I think anything, well, I think if you wrap your legs around the person, it could work. <laughs> the way they were positioned, it's not going to work. But if you wrap your legs around the person, you, that could totally work. All right, so that, hand, like, underneath. <laughs> that that goes then to my next question, you know, because it sounds like that's a form of scissoring, and scissoring has always you know, been thought of as, like, the main uh, sexual activity or the preferred sexual activity for lesbians. What do you think about that statement? Is it? Yeah, I've made videos about this. No, I don't think it is. Um, and I've, <laughs> I've made videos about this, and I got shit for it because, oh, well, how are you... You know, you're, you're dissing lesbians who actually like the scissor. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that most of us don't. Um, there's a difference between scissoring and tribbing. Tribbing works. Trizzy? Tribbing is kind of, yeah, tribbing. Like, scissoring is literally when your, like, legs are, like, interlocked. Uh-huh. Tribbing is more like when one leg is between another person's two legs. That works. Because then you can just, like... Use your hands, right? Yeah. Oh. But okay. your leg is kind of still there, and it's kind of sexy, right? Yeah. That's called tripping. That works. Scissoring <laughs> can work too, but I never found it attractive because I, I'm the kind of person where I need to like at least see your face, even if it's in my vagina. I need to see it. I can't see your face if I'm like laying on the thing with my head down and my legs up. You know, I can't see you. I need to like connect that way. So I don't know, but I guess some lesbians enjoy it. I think I think really what it is is a show for for straight men, you know, at lesbian porn. But yeah, like I've gotten so much for that because I, I made a video called um, "Lesbians Explain Scissoring," and, and most of the lesbians in the video were like, "We don't really scissor, you know, we prefer just eating out type of thing and like fingering, whatever." But like I'm sure some lesbians do do that. It's just I would say about maybe 78 percent don't or mm-hmm. have difficulties doing it. <laughs> Oh, wow. This is so awesome. At, uh, well, you're going to make my day. You're going to make my weekend. Um, Michelle Miao, we're Good. speaking with Ariel Scarcella. She is a YouTube star. Her videos have amassed over a million hits. And, uh, you know, I think this is so awesome because in, in the YouTube space, there are gay men who are super successful, like Davey Wavy, Ty, uh, Tyler Oakley, and then, you know, you and other lesbians mm-hmm. and queers, um, you know, who are super cele- lesbians now, I guess I should say. Um, you right. know, who, do, who do you think they're, your, like, f- top fans are? Are they all lesbians or they're just kind of all over the place? I don't know. I think I, that depends on what you say. Like, I don't consider them fans. I consider them... Because I feel like oh, that's a musician thing. Like, if you're a musician, you have fans. I feel like I just have people that either are inspired by me or people that just think I'm fucking hot and hilarious. Either way, it's great. Or maybe they think I'm all three. Like, that's a good tale. Um, but I would say most, probably the people that get craziest in the good way are the really young kids, which, like, that I've helped come out of the closet or I, I stopped them from cutting or that stuff's just incredible. The, the, like, I, I remember I went to um, Houston two years ago and I met with this girl, Jess, and she came up to me, and she's like, you saved my life. And I was like, oh, don't say it. She's like, no, really. That was... And I was like, wow. I was like, really? She goes, and she told me the whole story, and I was like, holy shit. You know, so it, like, you get messages like that every day, mm-hmm. I would say, mostly as an LGBT-type YouTuber. But when people actually come up to you and tell you that, it just that's when it really hits you. That's awesome. You're, otherwise, you're just, like, reading text, you know? 
That is really, really awesome. Um, you do a lot of, uh, you know, dear straight girl type stuff. And you mentioned in the yeah. video that we played um, straight girls as well. I mean, what are your feelings about heterosexual women who have a, 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 a you know, drawn attitude toward uh, lesbians or who like to maybe even sometimes hook up with lesbians but don't necessarily want to have relationships with them? I think that's fine as long as they're honest about it. So do you, as long as you're honest about it, I think it's fine to have sex in whatever way you want. That's that's right. See the guy, yeah. this, this big guy passing me was like, "Yep." Um, <laughs> I think I think too many people place restrictions on identities, and I'm I'm all for it. Like I, but I, but that's because I like placing a restriction on my identity because that's how I identify. Like I identify as a lesbian, and I would never have a relationship or a relation with somebody with a penis or a man. You know. So, but, you know, some people identify as straight, but, they'll, but they're a little bit bisexual, maybe, but not, you know, but not biromantic. There's, like, this whole thing. So, I think women, I think women more so than men are more comfortable experimenting, but I think men want to just as much as women do. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, you also do relationship uh, discussions on your videos and stuff, but I, 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 I've dated straight, I continue to date straight women, and it's, difficult so like what would you say to someone like me that even you know my girlfriend now is a label as a lesbian and she just wants to stay label less I, I it, it it can be it can be healthy right um i don't know i would say why do you keep choosing people that you don't you're not sure that you're gonna, that that's gonna work out <laughs> i mean we're getting spiritual now but you know why do you keep choosing people who are made or made are maybes and not definitely yeses maybe that's something you need to work out you know Wow, geez, you're beyond your years. I've, I, I should have, I should have been watching your videos in, in, in college. I've been making those mistakes over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, you're making the same. So that's why it keeps happening because you keep making the same mistake and you're not learning from it. Ah. Once you learn from that mistake, it doesn't happen anymore. You got it. You got it. I, this is this is free advice I'm getting from Ariel Scarcella. She's a yeah. YouTube star, and uh, I'm forever well, I'm, thankful. I'm a life coach too, and I'm, she's I'm a. Very, <laughs> I'm very spiritual. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? I do really appreciate the work that you do. I think that uh, you know the entertainment factor, and also just speaking out for lesbians. I feel like lesbian content. We, we there's not en- there's not enough lesbian content out there specifically um, that touches on our sexualities. So kudos to you. Thank you. What's next for Ariel? Um, you know, what can we expect? Like, a uh, do you have a new video coming up, or are you going to? Are you working on a few projects that we don't know about? I am. I'm, I'm working on a book um, that will be out. I don't know when, to be honest. A few months from now, hopefully. Uh, I'm taking my time with it. It's very special to me. I'm working. If you know anyone that wants to sponsor an LGBT YouTuber tour, let me know. That's oh. something I've been working on. Okay. Uh, and I, of course, I have new videos every Sunday. That's that's like a given. That's like that's like the the, the the average, you know, everything else after that is like beyond. What's so, coming? What's coming up this Sunday? Find new videos. Can what we tease? What's can we tease what's coming up this Sunday? What's uh? What is coming up? This this lesbians explain sex toys. It's uh, uh, a sponsored video, so I got a really cool sponsor for this one. Oh, I'm awesome! Excited about it. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will check it out, and that's coming out Sunday. Uh, Ariel, thanks so much for joining us here on this program and helping us ease into the weekend. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Ariel Scarcella, YouTube star, is a lesbian, a spiritual person. Maybe she plays golf. I didn't, I didn't ask, but you can check her out at YouTube. <laughs> the Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away.
Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. Babe. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Pride is 40 years ago was all volunteers and now it is one of the largest events. It's an opportunity for all of us to just be who we are. To take them to a place that's safer where they feel accepted. It's this remarkable coming together of politics and culture and just fun and it shows what an amazing community we are. San Francisco Pride is June 27th and 28th. For event tickets and information, visit sfpride.org. Weatherford BMW is where I spend a lot of my time. I love what I do and I love the people I work with, but work's not the only thing I love. I love the everyday simple things in life, like mornings at my favorite coffee shop, taking walks with my dogs around Point Isabel, and spoiling my partner for a scenic but thrilling ride. That's the beauty of living the Bay Area dream. We're just being ourselves, living our authentic life. Live your authentic life, a special message by Weatherford BMW. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us this little Friday. What was that, Michelle? I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Jax, our producer, is in studio. Jax, you're the ultimate lesbian who's going to help us into the weekend with the ultimate lesbian playlist. I feel like we've had a, a great show today. I mean, Daniele was awesome in educating us on the Constitution and just kind of navigating around these arguments, right? Because I, I also don't like to be that person that waves the gay flag and screams in somebody's face and is like, oh, you know, it's I have the right. And like, I want to be able to have these intellectual conversations so that we can find that middle ground in order to have progress. I like it because we have to deal with uh, people who quote the Bible right. at us. And then you have someone like Daniele who just can calmly quote the entire Constitution. Right. And it's just so... Uh, it'll always win. Like it's a game of rock paper scissors, but we will always win with that. I I, I really wish that I had like a, a mini Daniele when we're doing the show. You know, I could pull mini Daniele out of my pocket, and when we have like an answer a question. <laughs> yeah, Daniele, actually, could you argue this for us? And I mean, she does it really well in in presenting both arguments and several arguments on different sides and perspectives, and in bringing it back to, you know, according to the Constitution, in very many ways that we could. Um, perceive you know rights uh but anyway i mean she would do a much better job than i would that you know i just get right in the face and i'm just like i'm a lesbian start waving the flag (laughs) start waving the flag that's right and then uh of course ariel um 
uh, Scarcella, you know, that was an awesome, awesome, awesome visit from her. Again, she's a huge lesbian YouTube star. She's got tons of followers um, that I don't have. <laughs> it's because she talks about sex. Sex and relationships. I know I had a lot to learn. What was it? So there's scissoring and trizzering? Yeah, what was that second word? I was trying to, I don't trying know, to write visualize it in my head and I... Um, I was thinking of all kinds of things, and then I was like, I should not be thinking these things so early in the morning. We're recording this show in the morning, by the way, for the, those who are tuning in at 4 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time, or 7, if you're East Coast. Um, uh, but very, uh, you know, great perspective in, in lesbian life. I do appreciate those who take that and run with it, because, you know, everyone else talks about straight sex, gay sex. What about the lesbians? What about the women? You know, we, 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 we have sex, too. I, I liked the video that we played mm -hmm. and how lesbian sex is most searched by women. Right. Right? So that they, what, can go back to <laughs> their husbands, boyfriends, and, and you know, because uh, a certain percentage of those women who look up lesbian sex aren't all lesbians. I'd like to know the number. <laughs> oh wow um so great show today and tomorrow is friends on friday so john zipper of commonwealth club will be broadcasting his week-to-week -week political roundtable we thought to end this week uh with a the ultimate lesbian playlist so last time we did this you know we played a bunch of songs that jackson and i were reminiscing about the songs that played in lesbian clubs and i got a few more do you want to start with my list or yours Start with yours. All right, all right. So, um, I, you know, Missy Elliott is an all-time favorite, especially in the uh, LGBTQ clubs. I mean, and and there are rumors out there that she is a member of our community. I'm not here to out anybody. I don't know if she's officially come out, but uh, her jams are amazing. Did you go crazy on the dance floor when this yeah. song came on? You just have to do like high knees. High knees? <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know, it's so quick. The beat's so quick. The the beats are really quick and you know, know, great dancers. She's rocking her jean vest, so maybe she might be queer. <laughs> Get your freak on. Get your freak on. All you lesbians trizzering and scissoring. <laughs> Holla. <laughs> I think that's what she said. Get your finger on. Oh, that's horrible. I shouldn't oh, be saying that these things on the air. What? I'm just a nerd. <laughs> right, your friend's going to be like, well, where was all this energy? You know, now I'm home. Hi. <laughs> I'll be like. <sighs> anyway, so next on my list is uh, from Usher. I mean, Usher had a lot of hits uh, in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s that were played a lot and then he founded f the other lesbian justin bieber <laughs> and i don't know his songs just kind of aren't as good to me anymore but this one you know i just i just always envision myself making out with some girl in the club and this song is called in this club This is for for your slow dancing. Oh, they would always play this, you know, toward the uh, end of the night, and then all the lesbians would like start making out, and the lights come on, and, and they like pull apart, <laughs> and you totally witness that moment that they're like, "Oh, you did not, you do not look like 
what I thought you looked like. Why are you so sweaty? Oh, they're like, they're like, uh, and then, and then, like, the, you know, some of the girls would be like, oh, can I get your number? I mean, that's not a bad thing, right? And when the other girl says no, (laughs) after making out in this club. (laughs) Okay, last on my list is, uh, man, this is, this, this was, I think, the anthem for young lesbians, um, years and years ago. It might still be. I don't know. Look at this. Listen to this. So nasty. The anthem. Ugh. No, I'm serious. I didn't know what peaches and cream meant. Like, and I still don't really know because there's been. Go ahead you know, and uh, Google that. Go ahead. Con- controversy over what it actually meant. Like, somebody told me that it was like when a penis is like pushed in between a woman's breasts. What? And I don't know. I don't see how that could be described as peaches and cream. And then lesbians, you know, would tell me that it was, um, I don't, never mind. I don't, you know, we you should not be it. talking about these things on progressive voices. <laughs> All right. Your list. Okay. Well, when you want an excuse to, you know, start slowly taking your clothes off. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know. This reminds me of all the athletic lesbians who would start taking their shirts off and they're all like dancing in their sports bras. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, it's not that hot. It's like a gym. <laughs> that was an awesome song. Oh, it's so good. It's still so good. Ultimate lesbian playlist for sure. Makes me want to go to the club. The club. All right, what's next on your list? Okay, well... This, I think this would be more in a, of an anthem. Okay. <laughs> it's our girl Katie. I guess it's the newer anthem. I'm, I'm 11 years older than you. And this song actually is like an anthem for all the drunk street girls. Yes, it is. So it can be club. really annoying. Yeah. But when you get to like scream, I kissed a girl and I liked it. In a gay club. Do you know how many, like, you know, straight girls I've witnessed who made out while drunk and they are just like, oh my gosh, it's so fun. And I just, I just want to, I don't know, I shouldn't say I want to do, you know, anything to them. Um, but it just, I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I, I do find it a little bit offensive. But okay, this is a good one for the young ones. You're right. You're just too old for this. I'm too old. I'm geriatric. <laughs> okay, so... In preparing for the lesbian playlist, I came across this song that by a lesbian called How to Know if a Girl is a Lesbian. So oh. maybe maybe you need this since you keep dating straight girls. <laughs> so I know it. Ariel called me out. Ooh. And I think we're going to end the show. This is by Allie Hills. She's also a U- lesbian YouTube star. Oh, okay. All right. Let's end the show uh, with Allie. Here and the, uh, I, I guess, according to Jack's, the ultimate lesbian song. Thanks so much for joining us here today. It's the Michelle Meow Show. We're here at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time daily, Monday through Friday, on the Progressive Voices Network. You can catch everything else, including episodes of our local television show at MichelleMeow.com. We'll see you next week. Here is the last song of our ultimate lesbian playlist. Hey guys, I get a lot of questions asking how can I tell if a girl is gay? Well, you don't wear a beanie in the summer for no baseball tea when it's not baseball season if you're checking nails in the always trimmed what case do is her style twin
Just your favorite color is the one.